The following is a conversation. It has the features of any conversation, such as imperfectly expressed thoughts, ill-considered opinions, and the notions of several sleep-deprived brains. Try not to get your stethoscope in a twist about it. I'm a current M2 and unsure of what specialty I want Dave. to pursue. We've already been asked to Dave. choose electives for M2. That's a great question. See, it sounds familiar. <laughs> okay. Are we supposed to answer that question? No, no. I'm sorry. No. Just ignore that. Frank? My shit's going crazy over here. Everything's going crazy. It's all Plug it into ChatGPT. It's yeah, yeah, all yeah, a big disaster. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Coat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, the show that gives you an inside look at medical school from the students drinking from that fire hose. It's a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. Before we start the show, let's visit the financial aid office because our sponsor, Mayo Clinic Press, has a new book you really should know about. The drugs that we have long used to help kill pain are now killing us. But what if we were equipped with the information to use opioids wisely, store them safely, avoid their risk, and reverse their problems. Ending the Crisis, the groundbreaking new book from addiction specialist Dr. Harley Geyer draws upon the learnings of the award-winning Mayo Clinic Opioid Stewardship Program and goes beyond the history and causes of the opioid epidemic to offer a real solution. Ending the Crisis reinvests Mayo Clinic's collective expertise into the lives of every person struggling with the effects of opioid addiction, available now wherever books are sold. Thank you, Mayo Clinic Press, for uh, sponsoring the podcast and supporting us. And now, on with the episode. If you watch us on our YouTube channel, you'll see that I've got a bunch of medical students here who set a whole new standard for the beauty of podcast hosts. For instance, here's a man whose existence suggests that mustaches are not only beautiful but functional. It's M3 AJ Chowdhury. What does my mustache do that's functional? I don't know, but I bet it's functional. It looks like... It could be functional. I'll, ha- I'll have to investigate. Okay. He's a, yeah, consider this a challenge <laughs> to make your mustache functional. Challenge accepted. <laughs> He's got a handsomely tousled boyish mien that belies his maturity and intellect. It's M4, Mason LaMarche. Wow, that was the nice thing anyone said about me. I'm, I'm here to help. And uh, her head, each side cast in bronze, would make lovely bookends. It's M3, Ananya Munjal. Updating my Instagram bio as we speak. (laughs) And if you thought that was all shortcuts, well, hold on to your flashcards. We're joined today by medical student co-founders of Novacards.ai, a machine learning app that promises to turn your med school lectures into Anki flashcards. Say hello to University of Virginia M3, Shane Chambers. And Jordan Bagnall is a UVA M3 with a background in digital marketing and education. Hi, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? I'm I'm great. In a nutshell, Jordan, what does what does your app do? What does Novacards do? <clears throat> so right now, our app takes any medical text, be it from notes, PowerPoints, textbook, whatever it, it might be. You you can upload it to our app. It scans through. It reads what the content of those of that text is, and then finds relevant Anki cards from pre-made flashcard decks and shows you what's the most relevant, and also finds tags as well. But it will hopefully do many more things than that in the future. This is really just the beginning of how we envision applying artificial intelligence to flashcards. So how did you come up with Nova cards? Well, we were pretty like, I think that we were just pissed off, like looking through the Onking deck to like find cards that like lined up with our lecture appropriately. Cause like every school, you know, like the systems based approach, you have like either the tags are like not enough or they're too much. And then you're like wasting time or you're not studying enough. And we decided that instead of studying, we would just take 70 ones on all our exams and develop an app so that other people. (laughs) That is high better. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Question is pissed off your version of R. Is that the. I know that was a little little less. R than I was expecting. Yeah, I'm, yes. It'll <laughs> yeah. come out more later, I think. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good, good. Yeah. With NovaCards, can you walk me through, at least auditorily, what is your day-to-day process of using NovaCards and how does it change the way you study and classmates or other users of the app study? 
for me, Anki became a little bit less important in clerkships, but I still use it every day, but it's not like my primary study tool like it was preclinical. So what I do is I'll do, you know, maybe I'm doing 20 U-World questions today for the ones that I get wrong or the ones that I get right. And I don't know why I got right, but like I just, you know, won the lottery. I will take the explanation, the text explanation and plug it into Nova cards. And I'll be like, give me the like five to 10 best cards. And I'm like, I don't know, like I made it and I'm still pretty like, I'm like, holy shit, like <laughs> this is really good. So it's, I don't know, for me, I, it's a way, I'm using Anki right now to kind of keep track of like the shit that I don't know. So basically the, I guess my question is when you're looking, the answer that you get when you're looking up, like give me cards related to X, that those cards come from like any card that anyone has created, like in the Anki web space. Anking. Uh, Anking. That okay. is the base the deck that they use, I believe. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, so currently it comes from the Anking deck, although, so... We've been working on, I guess you call it Nova Cards 2.0 for like, I don't know, several months now. We thought it was going to be a lot easier than it, than it is, as, as is always the case with software development, it seems like. And we pretty easily added several new decks onto like development server. Yeah, we have a we have an MCAT deck and a Step Three deck and a PA school deck. Oh yeah, so like that. adding more decks to the current functionality we already have is like a really really easy thing to do. The holdup is what we we're planning on doing is releasing functionality for you know people who are taking the MCAT, taking Step Three, taking the Pants, which is like the really funny name they give the PA school yeah. board exams. Sure, it doesn't sound. Very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> so we, that was really easy to do, but what we were going to do is bundle it together with like an, a function that could from your like document that you give the application kind of split the document into two parts. Right. And part one is what it found flashcards for in on King. So like part one is good, but like some schools that, are just like, they really like to, I don't know, cause like angst and pain and like- Give their students anxiety attacks. Yeah, they will just like teach shit that like doesn't ever show up on step ever because you have this like really enthusiastic PhD teaching your Hemonk class and he wants you to know like the research that came out yesterday and it's like on your exam now. <laughs> so like if that part of the document is identified, there will be, we'll kind of tell you that and we'll say, hey, we didn't find any cards for this, but since you still need to learn it, we made some for you. Mm -hmm. So we have like, we have another server that's like private and only we can access it so that we can like troubleshoot it. We have those features built out. We were planning on releasing it in beta, but I think that like being the perfectionist that we are, like we're still suffering from, we're still medical students at the end of the day you know it's like we have to it has to be perfect before we push it out we're yeah. just like fine-tuning it a little bit more before we like throw it out into the wild you gotta be I'm, like you gotta I'm be like a more perfectors but but here we are you gotta be uh, like a zuck you know you gotta just put stuff out there <laughs> what is the the planes falling uh, don't they say move fast and break things yes That's kind of yes like, exactly philosophy but but uh, so yeah there, there are many decks that could easily be accessed with this we not that you really need to know this but we run into some issues because the models that the decks create get pretty big and it can get kind of expensive to like have these big models in the cloud so if we like get more money like we could we could easily make decks for anything i don't even know there's like no limit and then you could find any relevant study materials for any text that you upload cool I have another comment about how people study. In, in uh, doing the research for this product as we were developing it, we interviewed, I don't even how many people did we think we interviewed, like 30 people maybe? Yeah, sure. A, a good number of students, medical students, and we went through like in pretty granular detail how they study, what their pain points are, yada, yada, yada. And one of the biggest things we found is that there's just huge variety in the way people study, whether that be using Anki cards or not, it's, it's just very, very person dependent. Like for instance, for me, like when I was in pre-clerkships, what I would do most of the time is I would just take a whole document. So we have these like documents of notes for each lecture and some of them can be, I don't know, even up to 30 pages long. I would literally take the whole document, shove it into Nova cards and it would spit out tags and flashcards that were relevant for me. So that helped me to, instead of like spending all this time, like going through the granular details, looking for what sketchy videos I needed to watch before the class, I could just throw that in and it would spit out exactly what I need to know within five seconds or whatever. So it's just very, very person dependent, I think. I think that's an especially high yield feature of having Onking being the base deck that you, you your AI app actually indexes from is that 
all of the most commonly used medical education services are indexed in Onking. So it, it almost seems like the, the Nova cards is actually like able to create a separate independent study curriculum through it. Hmm. It's uh, an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah it's as much of a, of a flashcard finder as it is a resource navigator with the tag hierarchy. And that is definitely a lifesaver for a lot of med students, especially M1s who come in, they have no idea what the heck to do, what to study, or what step one or step two even involves. It's really interesting. So you guys mentioned that you're creating Novacards 2.0. What future potential do you see in Nova Carts 2.0 and onwards? Dude, what do you want? Yeah, it is, it is literally <laughs> like, Tell me what you want, dude. We're, we're figuring it out right now. Let's go. Well, I just finished both of my steps, so I, I just want to get eight hours of sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could have done that during your steps if you would have just used Nova Cards. Oh, you're right. You're right. I literally oh. met you guys a week too late. I took step two last week. Congrats, oh, dude. Thank congrats. You. Yeah, congrats, AJ. I think there's a lot of things, just to speculate here, there's a lot of things that could happen. One feature that I'm interested in that we could probably get some really good data around is like test score predictions based on your studying. Also linking to other resources such as like practice problems. So let's say you're like, okay, I'm learning about aortic aneurysms. Uh, I'll throw that into Nova Cards, your, your lecture, your PowerPoint, whatever it is. Here's the flashcards. Here's uh, your practice problems. Then as you're studying, that will be one of the subjects that you're learning about. Maybe Novacards could predict a score that you would get on these questions in step. I don't know, but there's literally like, I mean, no one knows the real potential of AI. It could, it could go any direction, especially when we have new like generative models like chat GPT that, that we've already mentioned coming out. Uh-oh, is that like a drink? Can we make a drinking game? Every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's is, what's crazy about this. How far? We're, we're several minutes in and we've only mentioned it once, so. Yeah. Well, that's what's that crazy about this is that you know, I feel like, you know, your your app and all of these other machine learning apps are just now like, you know, really going crazy. I, I feel like at least from the perspective of the normal everyday person who who doesn't interact in this space a lot. And it really seems like the dawn of useful for most people. Machine learning. I mean, you know, these things have been in the background for a little while. I understand that. And, you you know, we're probably affected by them all the time. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, this power can be in our hands as well. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, AI has been around for a lot longer than like people realize. Maybe not AI in particular, but especially like machine learning and like the algorithms that are used in that space, like they were first defined, like before they even had the computational power to like achieve them. So I'm pretty sure that they were just like theoretical for a while. Like, you know, when you look up those old articles on like PubMed and they're like, it looks like somebody literally stamped, like a, it's a, like a typewriter like, that got scanned into like a database somewhere. Like that's how old, like the, like, some of the algorithms are that they were like that they're currently still using in like the ML space, but now you can just do them in like a second on the computer. I mean, you know, chat GPT like just shook the world up in terms of like, it's, that's two now. Yeah. I gotta, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we gotta like really work out the, uh, the rules of this, this drinking game. Chat GPT <laughs> is definitely a drink. I'll, well, I'll it, it's the one that everybody talks about. I think it's the one that, that, you know, sort of introduced this concept to most people Absolutely. of machine learning, you know, to those of us who don't, as I said, don't think about it all the time. I mean, it's a huge revelation, but it did more for public awareness than I think it did for the actual advancement of like the field of natural language processing. And that's, and, but it did a lot for the field of NLP, but it just did more to give this like, basically like seemingly sentient thing to people for all it costs is like your email, right? Yeah. You just have to sign up for like the open AI profile yeah. and it's yours. Should, so, we dis yeah. should we distinguish between machine learning, natural language, natural language processing. processing and AI? <clears throat> Please. Yes. That's <laughs> yeah, I can do my best. And before I, before I jump into this, like I am the, I've like designed the, I've designed the back end of Nova cards and I've like, I work in the space a little bit and I've taken like a few like graduate level classes. 
But I have, at the end of the day, I have a bachelor's degree. Fair. And I want everyone to know that before I go, <laughs> before I go poisoning the brains of future doctors with false information. About- you know, I don't know if you've listened before, Shane, but we don't place a super high value on being correct. Much I like- thought you were about to say a value on your guests. And I was like, no. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, it's a hard distinction. I mean, I honestly might just look it up so I don't mess it up. I can say with confidence that like natural language processing is basically like letting the computer handle text, right? So computers think in numbers. They don't really think in words. And you need to find ways to basically turn words into numbers. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of like the bridge that you have to cross to get to, you know, a way that a computer can like understand a word. And there are really, really simple ways to do that. You know, if you have a sentence like the ball is round. So it's the ball is round. You can just establish a key for the computer where the equals one, ball equals two, is equals three, round equals four. And then you just have one, two, three, four, and the computer can go work with that. It can't really do much because you basically just gave it a list of four numbers, right? It's like in the absence of other information, it can't make any associations between words. But that's like at the core what you have to do to then like feed the language into other models like neural networks and stuff like that that can make basically like predictions and associations between words and that's kind of like how these models work is so like my understanding of how the large language models work that underlie chat gpt is that you give you basically give the computer billions of like words and sentences and documents. And what it does is it does this form of learning called unsupervised learning. With supervised learning, you might have a task that is like prediction, right? So you give it pictures of either dogs or cats. And and this would actually be like a, a categorization. So you give it pictures of dogs and cats and you would say, computer, is this a dog or a cat? And you have a key that's associated with each picture that somebody's annotated. So I would say, you know, Jordan, go would label these thousand images of dogs and cats. And he would sit like for two days, just label them. And then we'd feed it through the computer and then it would guess. And then it would like check the answer. And then dependent on whether it was right or wrong, it would like tweak the math that it was doing in the back end to try and like reduce the like the rate of error sure. at which it was like making these predictions. And then you do it a thousand times and you show it a bunch of different images, you know, it eventually gets like kind of good at doing what it's supposed to do. That's supervised learning where you have a key, right? right? Like This is a cat, this is a dog. Unsupervised learning, like you don't have a key. So if you, if anybody works in like, if you've done research and you've looked at like a PCA plot, like, or maybe like you've done any type of clustering, that is like an unsupervised learning where there is no key. Like you don't really know what category like your little dots fall into, but you're applying some function to it to kind of make it, I don't know, make an association known. And the what the large language models are doing is they're like just making associations between words that occur together mm. or near each other. Yeah, my understanding, and, I feel like I've read that you know, basically the, the, these large language models are basically trying to predict the next words. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're just, when they make a sentence, they like throw out one word and then their immediate job is like, shit, what's the next word? Right. And they've just <laughs> and they become extraordinarily good at, at that. So, yeah. Okay. So we've got, so that's, we've got machine learning, we've got natural language processing and then AI is just a sort of a catch-all term for for both of those things? Oftentimes they're used interchangeably and I don't really like, yeah. although this is probably something that I should be able to do, like I can't make the differentiation. I'm sorry I and put then, you on the spot. But that's how like, that's how crazy this space is, is like there are so many definitions that are so like vague and variable. It's like, what... AJ, what do you think data science is? Like, what does data science mean to you? You know what my sister's a data scientist? I still have no idea what she does. <laughs> I mean, does anybody want to, like, just take a guess? I think it's the science of 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 taking data and doing something with it. <laughs> yeah. Like and that's that. awesome. So, like, 
like when you plug in a formula into an Excel sheet, by that definition, like you're a data scientist. Makes oh, me man, feel I gotta update my, my resume. <laughs> <laughs> We're all like data scientists, you're right? Shit I mean, on the table there. So there's like specifications of like things that you would expect a data scientist to do, but like to define it is like kind of a hard thing. It's like, what is it? I think the distinction right. might be also just drawing conclusions from data because it's easy to get data. It's easy to plug, you know, it's it's relatively easy to get data. It's relatively easy to plug it into something. But then understanding it is probably the really hard part. I also think like just managing the data and cleaning it is also like a thing in and of itself. So yeah. having done some very preliminary stuff. Yeah, I big respect to our true data scientists who get to dedicate a whole career to it. Short Coats, we love to hear from you, no matter what it's about. So call us at 347-SHORT-CT with questions, shower thoughts, complaints about your situation, whatever you like. We'll talk about it on the show. Bringing us kind of into medicine, what do you guys think the AI applications are that are going to kind of develop within our field? You know, as you guys, you said you're fresh into the wards now. Is there anything that you guys see being a big part of AI medicine in the future? So medicine specifically or studying medicine? Like uh, let's say medicine. Let's expand outside our medical education. But can I hear what you guys like? Yes. I, can I can I answer yeah, this? On, yeah. I have a suggestion, but I just want to keep it on record that this is being recorded. And so I would like royalties for this. If this comes <laughs> copyright, 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 copyright. 12.0. Okay. I'm like in a research your brain right now, but I'm thinking that I, what the software that you've designed, and I also have a question, but we'll get to that. The software that you've designed, I feel like would be so, could be applied to, I don't want to like search PubMed. Like I'm, I'm kind of tired of, I know that like the, it's a luxury to be able to search like PubMed, but I would love to just like do what you're saying with like Anki cards and be like, okay, I don't know the research on like this topic and then just get the five most relevant studies and like not have to sort through X, Y, and Z. So that's my, you know. Ooh, I actually have experience with this. What? I actually have experience with this. So uh, you made this already. I didn't make it. I just I just use a software for it. So uh, yeah. my my research lab in neurointerventional, we actually use something called Ryan, R-A-Y-Y-A-N. This is not an ad for them. It's just what I use. And it's an AI software that helps you create meta analyses and systematic reviews, like gather all the articles, scouring PubMed for it. And then you can create inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria, and it'll do it all for you automatically. It's taken doing the actual lit review from anywhere from days to weeks, even months down to like, I paired up with someone in my lab for a meta-analysis recently. It took us less than six hours to get through like thousands of articles. And we ended up yeah. finding exactly what we needed without having to filter through like, okay, this just has the keywords that we were looking for, but it's like, this is a neurointerventional lab. So why is there, why is this a dermatology paper with these keywords? Not that we there's anything like confidence like that, that I've used also. But like, I want to take out the step where I have to like look through it. You know, like I don't I don't want to take out the derm paper. I want it to take out the derm paper for me. Well, you, you got to wait till Neuralink gets public. <laughs> yeah. and then you're just going to have a little chippy in the brain. Neuralink could be a drink, too, probably. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Any 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 time we bring up Elon <laughs> Musk in his in his world, you finish your drink on the spot. Yeah. This Actually, podcast hear, comes out on Thursday, Thursday, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of hay is made over the over the energy costs of, of AI. Do you guys have a lot of costs involved in the, in the background? That's an interesting question. It, it definitely is more expensive to run a server that does something like NovoCards does than, I don't know, like a static web page to host your blog or something. But if you have smart programmers like Charbel and Shane, you can do things to reduce the costs. That being said, it is relatively expensive. So you are um, are referring to the environmental cost of oh, yeah. training models. I'm referring to how much you guys have to pay to how much you guys have to collect from other people in order to do this. Because I imagine that if I, I think it's not, a, is it a free service or is it a paid service right now? Nova Cards. It's currently free. Okay. Um, so, but I imagine that can't that isn't sustainable. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, that's also, I mean, a, it's also part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's also part of it. And I would like to say that ever since we started running Nova cards, I've been riding my bike to school to reduce the carbon. Footprint. <laughs> so we are, completely offset. we are very green. 
No worries. Yeah, there. no, I, I bring we must no protect Shane at all costs. Can we say Nova yeah, Cards is really... carbon neutral? Is that an official? Nova Cards is carbon neutral. <laughs> I, I switched to bike too about the same time. Yeah, carbon and negative. that's because. You know, and, and that was the reason why. Yeah, I yeah, bring. I, I, I intend. <laughs> I intend no shade to to uh, to machine learning, artificial, whatever you want to call it. I, I I do not intend to do that because I I do feel like this is an inevitable part of our future. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not going to be one of those folks who, you know, right or wrong says, you know, this is a terrible idea because of the environmental costs. I mean, the environmental costs are something that probably can be managed with more with more research Biking. with more research more development and and by doing you know other things yeah i poured sugar in all my neighbors cars gas tanks <laughs> <laughs> that explains yeah that that it probably explains uh, a lot for your neighbors yeah i'll say it like this it's in the hundreds of dollars so it could be more expensive but it's definitely not great as medical students to yeah be footing that bill currently yeah for sure so what are your plans for future financial models to support nova cards will this be a paid service in the future or will it be supported by ads or sponsorships so well currently if anyone's feeling super generous you can donate you can like buy us a coffee and we have merch oh yeah it's true we do have merch. we have a plain white 500 piece thousand dollar jigsaw puzzle <laughs> you can buy from our merch store <laughs> and if you do it and you put it together i will come to your house and like do whatever you well yeah let's you like, like, my lawn. Lawn. Like, in south in iowa is that it you will come yeah. to your house and destroy the puzzle that is actually true there's literally a thousand dollar puzzle but so the actual model of what we want long term is probably like a freemium model where parts of the app are free and then other parts are are part premium and you have to pay for it. So we're still working out exactly what that would be. We might have to host ads as well. Not that those really pay for much, but they might encourage people to buy premium. I don't know. We're we're still working that out. But yeah, eventually we're gonna have to take in money somehow. Yeah. Fair. And yeah, we just want to mean we just want to like maintain it and hopefully like have maybe a small passive income. But we're not trying to like gouge students out of $600 a year, you world. <laughs> Who said that? Give me, freaking, give me a freaking discount, dude. <laughs> so yeah, on the... If anything, it would be nice if med, med schools could just pay and provide a service. But Well, yeah. what's interesting about that is, is... So one of the problems that schools have with outside resources, right, is that we feel like our curriculum is what you need to know, right? And when you use outside resources, the fear is that those resources might be wrong. Those resources might have, you know, bad information in them and, and thus, you know, sort of contaminate what it is we're trying to teach you. What I like about if my, my understanding of, of the future of of Nova cards or maybe it's happening now, you can correct me, is you can put your lectures in. And it pulls out the relevant cards, essentially. Is that not, is that true? That's, yep, that's exactly right, yeah. This is So this is what you're doing now? Yep. So what's great about that is that the schools don't really have to worry about it, in yeah. which case it, it could become a valuable thing for schools to pay for. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I support that for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any comments about that, Shane? Yeah, I'm I'm not anticipating to get a fat check from any medical school anytime soon. Just yeah. knowing I was also Yeah, I was also going to temper that expectation with, you know, <laughs> the fact just that just knowing the little that I know about med schools and, uh, you know, finances and stuff like that, it's like Yeah. The, there's a there there is a perception out there that, you know, med schools take in a lot of money for from med students. And, you know, what the hell do they do with it? And I don't know that I have the answers for that. But what I do know is that it does not come to the med school. <laughs> it goes to the well, university at large and then it gets. Yeah, And I know it's my understanding that most med schools are in the red. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's not a cheap endeavor to do med school. As frustrating as that is for the people actually paying for it. Back when I was interviewing for med school, I think the estimate for the cost of training a medical student was actually about a million dollars. Which is a multiple of what we pay in yeah. tuition. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Dude, you sound like the Republican Party. You telling me I should be grateful 
<laughs> for paying my quarter million. Come oh, on. I never I never said how you should feel about it. That's just what I understand. <laughs> who's in the green? We're in the red. Our patients are in the red. They're in the red. Like, who's in the green? There's a question yeah. for you. <laughs> Nanya, stop trying to follow the money. We're gonna get the podcast shut down. I think I think I think Ananya has a has a future podcast episode to produce now. Who is in the green? That's it. That's, that's it. the podcast. Coming spring twenty twenty two. Three. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Time traveling. <laughs> so there's a lot of popular medical study tools that are available either freely or at a low cost at are made from grassroots initiatives for med students like the Onking project, which is now extended to the ecosystem of Anki Hub. Right. Do you guys have any plans of integrating with various tools like Anki Hub in the future? So we've actually we've been in contact with the Onking team in the past. And what do I have to say about that? It doesn't look like we're going to be working very closely with them right now. They're kind of doing something a little different than what we're doing, even though the, the Venn diagrams overlap a little bit. Mm. So I think currently the plan is just to develop the way we're going to develop. And then we we have contacts over there. So it's possible we'll integrate in the future, but I, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. Integration is not the first thing on my mind. I mean, this is what, when I think of Novacards, what I think of is like, does this help me study better? Yes. Does this help my friends study better? Yes. After those boxes are checked, like I kind of pass the ball to Jordan, dude. I don't think <laughs> very hard about any of that kind of stuff. It's like, ultimately, at the end of the day, it just matters to me that at some level, and maybe it's the features we've already developed, that it stay free. Because like, I'm broke. My friends are broke. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to, throw this onto the pile of shit you need to buy to be successful in medical school when it should maybe already be provided to you, but it's not. So like people should always be able to use a little bit of it for free. I mean, if we start making, if we bring to the table, which I mean, within the next few months, I think it's very feasible that we do something that will make the rest of your flashcards for you. And they are like spot on then maybe we would like put that behind a paywall and say like, Hey, this, like, we'll give you this half. It's free. And it has gotten, it got me through preclinical and it's getting me through clinical. It's enough. If you want to support and you want like your money's worth well over your money's worth, because like God knows how much time you're saving by not having to create cards. If you're a card creator, like if we charge $5 a month and we're saving you an hour a day, we've saved you You've paid five dollars like for thir 30, thirty hours of your life. Thirty cents an hour or something. You've bought a day for five dollars. Like go up to the ICU and tell someone that they can do that and they'll give you way more than five dollars. Right. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I looked at the stats on my Anki reviews after I finished step two. And I've been using the Anki deck since day one of med school. And I looked at how much time I've spent in Anki. And it said, I've used 22.16 days of my life <laughs> in Anki and probably anywhere from, I would say, 40 to 50 percent of that wasn't actually studying cards, but just looking up the cards and making them so that I could actually study them in the first place. So yeah. from first day of M1 year to after taking my board exams, I could easily get back a week of my life. That's significant amazing yeah i think the cool thing is as shane said that hopefully in the future this is just something that we don't even have to deal with. like i remember when we were first like coming up with these ideas i, I was just so frustrated that it didn't exist already like why do we need to spend why and, and, and someone asked the question of where do we think ai is going to go in medicine i think it's going to be cutting out the fat of these annoying things that aren't actually productive that we have to do just because no one else can do them. I think the ideal way that AI moves us forward is to cut out this stuff that no one really wants to do. We've we've actually talked in the past about taking uh, like writing notes 
in scribing. Yeah, like scribing. There is some work that can be done using, I actually, I don't know what the models are called, but basically you can, you can have AI understand conversations, summarize the conversation itself, and then write a note for you. Deep scribe. Yeah. So there's, there's a company that already is doing this that we didn't realize at the time, but like, it's things like that, that I think are the real like slam dunks when it comes to AI. Like no one wants to spend all their time writing notes. So let's just have something else do it for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's huge AI and like thyroid imaging for radiology where, you know, they see that this is what you're putting in as you're categorizing as this type of benign or malignant nodule. And all it does is copy and paste in recommended follow-up screening guides so that the radiologist doesn't have to sit there and type in the same thing or go look it up for the millionth time. It just knows, boom, here's the most recent citation. Like that's, yeah, it's it seems like kind of small, but that's going to shave off hours upon hours of a radiologist's time and days over their career. So, yeah, it's going to be those really kind of fat-trimming things I think are going to be, you should integrate them early and it's going to be something that's going to separate good and, and bad, you know, clinicians who use those tools. Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. You know, AJ and I were talking about this this topic earlier today, and we were talking specifically about this Soap Notes app, maybe the one that you're talking about, and realizing, for my part anyway, that you know this particular app, I won't name it, but this particular app claims to be HIPAA compliant, and we just couldn't figure out how that would be the case because you you know this is not running on your phone, you know, taking in this conversation and then turning that into notes. It isn't running on your phone or your local computer or whatever like that. It's running on a server somewhere else. And so that seems a little bit, I don't know, fishy. I'm, I mean, I have two, two thoughts about that. Number one, we're going to need, you know, it, it, to the extent that this becomes commonplace and even expected in medicine, there's going to have to be some adjustment made to what HIPAA means and, and how it's, implemented in this environment. But also, it probably means that healthcare systems should start just providing these to the extent that they are able to to do it as well, to be providing these systems to the extent that they are able to do as well. Because, I mean, this is literally the future. Does anybody else have any like million dollar AI and healthcare ideas that we can, that we can <laughs> pivot into? Like just any example that you've thought of. Oh. Anything, guys, come on. Just, Wait, it has just to be new. Like, I have to think on the spot right now, or I got I've one. Heard of? I got one. I thought you might have one, like in the in the chamber, in the reserve. Yeah, <laughs> I had one, but then AJ said it was already done. So <laughs> just hook up every med student to like to get vital signs constantly <laughs> to be able to predict when you're going to have a nervous meltdown and deliver a Xanax in real time. <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking medical student performance evaluations. I mean, you know, that's the, that's the thing that I do every year and uh, have spent the last 15 years trying to automate my way out of it. <laughs> With, Wait, so what's the idea? Just write them. You oh, know, okay. Write the MSPE for Throw the days. grades in there. Throw the comments in there. MSP is also known as GPT Dean's letter. do that. I mean, I, I, I would if I thought that I wasn't violating FERPA, but. Dude, I swear to God, if Chad GPT writes my MSP, <laughs> I'll be very disappointed. This is as I sit here in the in the writing in humanities program talking about having Chat GPT do my writing. How can I do for less you? writing in humanities right now. <laughs> I don't really classify medical student performance evaluation as humanities. Dehumanities, maybe, <laughs> but wait, why do you ask, Shane? What's the what's Well, the so no no matter what, like the a major barrier that you guys just brought up is HIPAA and access to data, yeah. right? Because if you are, let's say that someone wants to train a model to interpret, I mean, so we always, it's like a common joke among like people that I know that like radiologists are going away in the next 10 years yeah. because their job is to interpret images. Oh, and, tell Mason. Don't tell Mason. Yeah. What? Uh, don't tell Mason. I currently applied radiology. It's okay. I was either into radiology or pathology, so my career was done anyways in the next 10 years. So. <laughs> well, Get it in, the, Mason, while you can. Yeah. Get it while you can. That's the thing is that, like, it is – so it's theoretically possible – I mean, there's a lot of complexities that a radiologist has to do that a simple image recognition model cannot accomplish. Yeah. Right? If – what an image recognition model could do or, like, a feature recognition model could do is, like, 
point out like the you know Costa Frank angle or whatever and be like yo why is this shit so round <laughs> you know if I could just click through like a slideshow of things that a computer said this looks wonky yeah that'd be sick and like or like do my nodules like measure them for me tell me their density okay yeah. like it's it's well, that stuff that like it doesn't take a, a you know a brain to do that sympathology too like I have to measure these certain distances like they're not hard things to do they just have to be done and that's where ai is going to like really i think help so that radiologists can do things faster safer and spend a little more time on like the cognitively demanding stuff it, so it will the i mean the issue is that like to train a model you need thousands hundred thousands millions of images that are labeled so images are naturally labeled like when a radiologist labels them he reads them yeah Right. But the question is, so like one problem is that HIPAA doesn't allow anyone who wants to make this model to go access that data. There are some de-identified databases of like healthcare information. I like just signed up for one actually for like a research thing that I'm trying to do. But so there are databases that exist for certain types of medical information, but I don't like if the breadth and depth of what was needed was there, this would already be done. And it's not, but it's theoretically possible. So I'm going to assume that one, the data is not getting shared efficiently. Two, I can't assume that like the table is getting labeled in a unified way. Right. So it's like maybe someone uses a piece of software at University A and another one uses a different piece at University B and that has a different output. And now you've run into another problem. So it's like for every great idea to implement an AI in medicine like project, there are a dozen hurdles to like getting it going for all these reasons. And that's like it's good and bad, right? It's good for the sake of the patients because HIPAA is good. I guess it's good that we have different software because market competition makes things better. But yeah, question, little, mark? question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, it's bad for people who are trying to like make these algorithms because like a country that doesn't have strict HIPAA regulations and that maybe the government tells all the hospitals what software they're going to use that has data scientists that can access all this data on the fly and they go aggregate it at some place and like they don't care if their identifiers or not, like they can do this like no problem, right? Because they don't have all these barriers. So that's one, like, I think that, I don't know, I would speculate that the barriers that the US puts up for good reason to medical information will ultimately like limit it in its ability to like create these predictive models just because there are other countries that are probably less strict that are able to just like do the things that we want to do. So I feel like there's like a, like not like a cost benefit analysis, but there's like a, like HIPAA data leak risk, you know, analysis to be done. And I feel like we already, like, we already do this. Like we already, I mean, like, not paper charting is like violating HIPAA. And like, I mean, like there's so many like data leaks that happen and like using like our like Volt phones to communicate that's data leak. And like on this research year, like having patient data in Excel sheets that are like through a firewall, that, that's all like, you know, like we risk like the possible leak of information or like we risk like, you know, yeah. Well, let's be clear. We, I mean, like, the, these things are HIPAA compliant. Yeah. But, oh, yes. Yeah. These are HIPAA compliant. But like, there's, you know, like every time you fill out like an IRB form for a study, you have to like say on there that, that say on there that like in doing the study, there's another place this patient's data is, and like that could be compromised. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, that, the, the, yeah. Com compromise is inevitable. Yeah. Exactly. Um, unfortunately. And I guess like so when we're talking about this, I wonder like you know like I think the endpoint has to have like a utility, obviously. So like what you've done, I mean, this is like what you've done is not currently involving HIPAA data, but obviously it has like a utility. Not doing paper charting obviously has a utility. Like everything that we've done that like could be, could compromise patient data has utility. And I wonder about the utility of, you know, like what we're talking about, like for example, this like path example, for example, like we could, you know, What's I'm- the value of leaking patient data versus having well, these models? Well, I, I guess, I guess it's like if we could, Okay, I guess here's my thought. Yeah, what's the value? So like if we could like create a like software, if we can like predict with a high degree of certainty and a low P value that like we can create a software that could really, really help us in like reading slides, like that would be cool. I just don't 
I'm not like a boomer, but I just like don't feel like we can. So like for you can see cell lymphoma, which is what my research is in right now, like this dermatopathologist is not just like operating on the picture, not even just operating on the clinical case. He's operating on like, oh, I saw like four cases that looked just like this. And sure, like we could say that like we could teach the AI those four cases, but I, I don't know. I just like I feel so not confident that this could be done. And and so I wonder, like, what's the use of release medication? Yeah, that's the that's the long winded point of discussion that I'm putting forth. Yeah, I've 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 been having a similar thought that kind of ties in with that a little bit. So not only I think if you were to tell who's someone, my next door neighbor back home in Arizona, if you're like, hey, like, we're training an AI to read medical imaging, they'd be like, okay, like you just look at the X-ray and like you just like see what the X-ray does. But like, doing what a radiologist does is way more difficult and complicated than that. So that's the first thing is like superficially, yeah, the AI could like do what a radiologist does, but it, it becomes very complicated very quickly. You have to know okay. patient history, all this stuff. Theoretically, though, as Shane's saying, it could do it and it, it probably will someday. Another major issue that hasn't been brought up yet is liability, because let's say we trained our AIs and they are 99.99% accurate mm -hmm. and the AI, there's no radiologist, the AI is just going. That means that out of every, what is that? Thousand cases, ten thousand cases, ten thousand, ten thousand cases. One of them is going to be wrong, and it's going to do something horrible to that patient. And how many like scans do radiologists read every day? I don't know, but it's probably way more than ten thousand. So it's going to be misdiagnosing tons of people. And so is is the company, whoever created this AI, going to take on the liability for that? And in a again, this is talking about the environment of the United States. The U.S. is a pretty litigious country, and so people are going to sue the living daylights out of any company that takes on all that liability. So I think in a sense, you sort of need a radiologist to like, even just to take on like the liability of saying like, I'm responsible for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's always gotta be a person in that loop. Yeah. Um, which so is I don't, I don't interesting. Think radiologists are ever gonna completely go away, basically is what I'm trying to say. It's so I, the, the, the parallel day, that I keep thinking of is is like these city calm, automatic driving. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, self driving uh, self driving cars. vehicles. I won't mention any names, but you know what I'm talking Tesla. about. Um, oh, jeez! Now I gotta drink. Um, are you, you gonna beat me? Really? Is Elon sponsoring? That's an Elon Musk company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are literally taking on, seems to me, the liability for all of these vehicles out there on the road, and but they're doing it anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. On the theory that, on on the whole, the accuracy and the safety of these systems is greater than the accuracy of a human. So I don't know how that sort of factors into your 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 thoughts about this, but I mean people are doing that in would, other in I'll, other areas. I would also add that the current conversation at least in radiology and I think this was part of the keynote topic of RSNA last year when I went is not necessarily will AI replace radiologists in the future but how are radiologists going to adapt to AI and yes. what? how will it change the market pressures? Will radiologists that is assisted by AI be able to replace five radiologists that don't use AI? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that seems very likely. Yeah, I, 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 technology typically, as far as I'm aware, doesn't quickly replace jobs wholesale like radio you know certain professions may shrink i mean you see robot only mcdonald's opening up all over the country but at the same time mcdonald's is still hiring at 15 dollars an hour everywhere you go for human beings to be there too and generally the process of ordering from like a robot kiosk at a place like mcdonald's is is slower is clunkier and generally there's more steps to it than just talking to a person so we still have for a very now. long way yeah, to go yeah. for now, for now, yeah, I mean, for now. It's, it's kind of like us developing this Nova Cards 2.0. Like I remember when we first started working on it, we spent a couple of days and Shane said to me like, oh, it's done. I was like, oh, <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> wow, that was not hard. And that was several months ago. So like it's always more complicated than you think. And I think especially if you're doing something as hard as medicine, it is probably way more complicated than and we think that being said, it, like theoretically, it's possible and it almost certainly mm -hmm. is going to happen. Well, these things are iterative, right? You, yeah, you spend a lot of time iterating on your success and and hopefully that that leads to to more opportunities to have 
more things to do. Um, who's going to play Jordan and Shane in the social network movie <laughs> made about Nova cards? Oh, oh wow. That, you know, no offense, no offense guys, but I feel like that's going to have a very limited release, but you know, I mean, to a med school near you. <laughs> okay. I want army hammer to play me. <laughs> Great. It's tough, but I could see it. No, who should play me? Morgan Freeman. Narrated by Dave Etler. Yeah. We're, I was talking to Dave about what list celebrity he would be like anywhere from A to Z list. I think this would put him up to at least D list. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. D, D seems awful high, but I appreciate this. It'll segment. be a blockbuster. Yeah. So where can listeners find Nova cards? So the easiest place, is, well, you can Google Nova Cards. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. Easiest is just to type in novacards.ai and that'll take you to the app. But you can also find us on Instagram. Let me pull up our handle to make sure I have it exactly right. There's no He's head of marketing. He doesn't even know the Twitter. Come on. <laughs> Tough look. You know, I try to do marketing for this podcast. I have the same exact problem. So it's, yeah, I understand. If you Google or just go to novacards.ai, like in your browser, that's probably the easiest way to find it. Well, congratulations on doing something cool. I think this is uh, I think this is a lot of fun. I hope our uh, listeners will check it out and uh, throw a cup of coffee your way for now. My merch, dude. We have pretty fresh merch. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Oh, yeah. Besides the- Yeah, you really sold the $1,000 puzzle, $1, but let's hear about- We have more reasonably priced long sleeves and dad hats. Yeah. <laughs> nice. unisex. Oh, I want a dad hat. Also, do not have to have children. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally called the dad hat. I, maybe I should have made the merch instead of Shane. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our show. Uh, AJ, thanks for producing this episode. No problem. Jordan and Shane, thanks for coming on the show with us today. Appreciate your stopping by to bat around this whole topic with us. And best of luck to you with NovaCards.ai. Hey, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. No problem. I, I think I owe you guys two shots and a drink. So. All right. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't keep track. <laughs> Ananya, Mason, thanks for coming on the show with me today. Thanks, Dave. And what kind of dingus would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcuts, for making us part of your week? If you're new and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available, the finest, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government, an ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com.